everyone, it's Michelle from Studio City Now, and today my guest is Miles John Dalton. How are you doing? Michelle, enchanté. <laughs> I, I am fantastic. Merci. And how are you today? Uh, je vais bien. Uh, Parlez-vous français? Si, si. Uh, no comprende. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my French is... Um... I was taking it on Duolingo and life got in the way. Yes, well, it's always very interesting when one only knows little snippets of various languages. And then there's a point where someone's going to counter what you're saying and respond to, then you're, you think, okay, how do I respond to this? <laughs> well, I do speak another language, which I'm not going to say, but I can understand uh, the other romance languages. Well, my favorite language is the language of love. Oui. Si, si. <laughs> but you've got the greatest voice ever, as I said earlier. What a lovely thing to say. Thank you, Michelle. I thank you. I, I, I think that it's one of these things that the cosmos smiled upon me. Well. Just one of those things. So I thank you so much. Thank you. So I was stalking you on IMDb for a little bit. Good, good. <laughs> <laughs> then I was going to drive into my nondescript silver car. <laughs> oh, I see, I see. Love it. Um, so from what I gathered, because it's been a couple of days, Dreams of Darkness? Uh, yes. Yes. Is that finished filming? Is that... Uh... Dreams of Darkness has indeed finished filming, and it is due to be released on October 1st, just in time for Halloween. Ooh. Yes. So it is. I'm bringing it up on my phone. And of course, I'm getting everything else, but... Ah, okay, I'm just going to put your name in. Sure, no problem. It may show the... Uh, it may not show October 1st, but that release date needs to be amended. But that's basically the release date, just in time for Halloween, so people can can spend October watching it leading up to Halloween. Right. Yeah. And what is that about? Could you give us like a little teaser? Absolutely. Absolutely. I play a man whose wife mysteriously disappears under bizarre circumstances. And I then spend the rest of the movie trying to find out what happened to her. And so I go back to the... I go back to the area where she disappeared, and in the course of my journey, I encounter weird supernatural things. Ooh. Yes. Yes. And with lots of twists and turns and surprises. And so I think that it, um, I think it'll be entertaining. And I think that there's, there's, um, there's a lot in it. There's all kinds of different things, something for everybody, actually. Oh. Yeah, there's a surprise ending. There's uh, there's strange things. There's terror. There's suspense. There's romance. There's sexiness. There's everything. It sounds really fascinating. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I've got the, it says, I've got the IMDb thing. That's you. You're a musician too. We'll get into that. Yes, I am. Devastated by the disappearance of his wife. Derek Fabre enters a nightmarish world of the occult 
erotic evil and supernatural supernatural seduction as he tries to unravel the mystery of her vanishing. How's that for a cold read? <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. Excellent. Excellent, Michelle. Yeah, that, that pretty much sums it up. That that's as, as precise as I as could be said about the movie. Yeah. Well, will this be like uh on demand or in the theaters or this will be available on Netflix, Amazon, all the streaming services. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's gonna be advertised and and so it'll be readily available for people to 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 uh to stream and watch. It's as of right now, there's not a widespread cinema release, although I'm I'm in discussions with our distributor to do a limited theatrical release in certain theaters across the country and certainly in Europe. So I I can keep you updated and let you know what happens in that respect. Okay, yeah, because I can blast it all over my social media too. Okay, wonderful. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And um, the other movie I saw was Crypt of Evil. Yes. Yes. Right now, I'm currently in pre-production for Crypt of Evil. Mm -hmm. And... It's uh, it's something that I'm very excited about because I, I've cast a lot of legendary European actors in it. The the, the cast is about seventy five percent European, and many people that that have a lot of genre credits in Italy and Spain, very well known in the European genre world. Yeah, I've brought it up, like Antonio Cantafora, you. Hey, that's a nice picture of you is Tony Diamond. Thank you. Thank you. Gianni Machia. These are all basically Italian. Yes. Yes. And there's also Antonio Mines, who's a, a Spanish man, Spanish actor, and Lord Fleming, who's a Spanish actress, and uh, uh, Melissa Longo, who's been in lots of movies, and she was in a Bruce Lee movie. Uh, oh. lot, lots of these people are... They're classics. They're classic, and I I grew up watching them, mm-hmm. and so it's a, it's a big thrill for me to actually be able to to cast them. And now in one of my own movies, uh, it's a big thrill. It's a big thrill, and I think that it's going to be something which follows along the lines of of um, being another supernatural thriller because I, I love supernatural thrillers and love making supernatural thrillers. So Crypt mm-hmm. of Evil will be another supernatural thriller, different storyline than Dreams of Darkness. And uh, it basically involves a, a collection of people who are divided to a house in the country. And whilst they're there, strange things happen. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. But you know, it the 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 challenge is Michelle is making. You know, there've been so much ground has been covered in movies and 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 horror movies and supernatural thrillers. The challenge always is how can one make this different? How can how can one put a different spin on this, make it more interesting? And so I've worked very hard along with my brother Nicholas. He's my co-producer into tr- trying to make the story different, trying to make different twists and turns and to put a, put a new spin on things. Because the last thing I want to see as a, as an audience member, because I love movies is yeah. I, I don't want to see the same. I don't want to see the same rehash. I want to see something different. So Crypto of Evil 
I think is going to accomplish that. So that's my latest project right now, which is in pre-production. Right. It says you are director. Were you one of the writers? Because I did see you were one of the writers on Dreams of Darkness. Yes. I co-wrote Dreams of Darkness along with my brother Nicholas, and I co-directed it and I co-produced it. Oh, wow. Now, how long have you been in this industry or did you grow up in it or? Yes, I've, I've been in the industry ever since I was a, a kid. I started doing some child acting and I was in, I had bit roles in some European movies back in the, in the early 80s, and late, well, late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, also with my, my uncle being, my great uncle being Carl Malden, oh, I, okay. I, I was exposed to it when I was very young. Yeah. You know, so I've always been very involved in, in with acting and producing and wrote my own plays as a as a child and and uh, started young, started young. It started actually making homemade Super 8 movies. <laughs> Remember Super 8? You know? Oh, my. <laughs> now I feel yeah. old. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, well, it's very interesting because Super 8, that film format is actually making a resurgence. There's lots of people that are buying Super 8 cameras and Super 8 film because it's rather inexpensive. And so you've got a different a, a generation now that's actually doing that. So, uh, but that's how I started. I started making home movies and with my brothers and, and uh, making horror movies and, and things like that. So it, it started young. It started young. And you said Carl Alden, uh, Carl Malden was your great uncle. So he must have taken you on the set of streets of, of San Francisco. And I was on there only once I went to the set and this would have been in 70, 78. Mm-hmm. I, I went to go visit him on the set and yeah, really fantastic. And he was, he was really a fantastic guy and uh, taught me a lot. And so the, this, the show business in, in my blood, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. It, it, um, it started young. It started young. So it's been in my blood and it continues now. And it's something that I want to, I'm always going to pursue and in one way or another. And I'm just very fortunate to be able to make my own movies on my own terms. Now, did you go to a film school or an acting school or learn on the job? No, nope. No, never, never went to acting school, never went to film school. I started young, so you just learn over the years and, and you you learn through osmosis. <laughs> and you, and, and you, you assimilate things and and, and uh, it helps to have one's uncle being Carmold and, and uh, so the, I learned a lot from him. And, and just time, just time you just learn over the years and, and that in itself is a film school, an acting school. I spoke to someone yesterday who said um, he was on a show for 10 years and he said during downtime, he got behind cameras. He talked to directors and said, I want to do this and learned the same way. The perspective is completely different. When, when It's one thing when you're an actor or an actress and you're in front of the camera and that's just such a small portion of it. For me, as much as I like that, once you get behind the camera, it becomes even more fascinating Mm -hmm. when you see the nuts and bolts of how it's done and the decisions that producers have to make the decisions that directors have to make even the cameramen the art the art department it's it's 
for me, it's just a million times more fascinating than just being an actor in front of the camera. Yeah. Oh, I can imagine. And then be also being, I'm very fortunate that I'm also in creative control over what I do because I, I finance my own movies. And so I don't, I'm not beholden to a, to a money person. Oh gosh. Yeah. You know? And so my brother and myself, we can, we have the final say on everything because I'm sure you've heard horror stories of directors or writers and they, they, um, they spend years getting financing for their movies. They make their first movie. It becomes a nightmare. The movie gets taken out of their hands by the producer or the money people. The money people don't know what they're really doing. They think they know better than the director. And then everything gets chopped up to bits and the movie fails. I've seen it. Yes. I can tell you you horror stories of the talent, but that's a whole different story. That's a whole different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I understand what you're saying, but it, 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 uh, it's a tale as old as time. This has happened mm-hmm. time and time again. So I'm very fortunate that I can be in control creatively and financially with what I do. And so really very, very lucky, very, very fortunate. I think my lucky star is every day. Now, what can we expect in the future from you other than you know the two we just spoke about? There is another movie that is in development as well. It's going to be shot back to back with Crypt of Evil and it's called Death Walks Behind You. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's along the lines. It's another supernatural thriller. Uh I just love those kinds of movies. And 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 also from a from a business aspect, they always do great throughout the world. There's always a demand for supernatural thrillers. So after Crypt of Evil is done, I'm going to go right into shooting Death Walks Behind You. And here's the interesting thing, Michelle. It's going to be done with pretty much the same cast that's in Crypt of Evil. Oh, okay. So that would so, be, I'll bring it back up, Antonio Cantafora, etc. Yes. Will you be in it also or behind the camera? I will be appearing in front of the camera. I will. In both movies, I... I I will be in front of the camera. The but these movies are kind of um, they're kind of ensemble pieces. So there isn't really one star, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and death walks behind you will be the same way. And so I have my hands full. So, so it's it's um, it's movie after movie, and it's going to be done with the same cast in the same location. But you just. Things get completely changed. People play different kinds of characters and, and it's a different story. So that in itself is a production challenge just to use the same locations, but make the story completely different. Now, I'm wondering, this just came to me. Have you ever thought of, you know, like doing a, uh, who's at my door? <laughs> <laughs> you know, big sign, do not disturb. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> Have you ever thought of doing maybe like a mini series or maybe like uh, episodic, like four, doing a movie, but breaking it down into four episodes? Well, I was thinking about producing the Thorn Birds too. Mm-hmm. I'm joking. I'm oh, joking. gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wow. do, you remember, do you remember the Thorn Birds? Yeah, how are you going to get Richard Chamberlain back? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, maybe I'll, I'll I'll step in and play his part. 
Okay. Uh, we, I'll play Father Ralph in that, and and uh, we'll have an update on that. And, and uh, I'm joking. I'm, it, it's a running <laughs> joke I have with some friends about the Thornbirds, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, in Australia. I think that's where it was filmed. Yes, very true, and Rachel Ward was in it. And, uh, yeah, very, very entertaining. That's a good question, Michelle. I think that it's something that I would consider mm-hmm. because that seems to be many series now seem to be very much in vogue. I think that if I would do that, it would be a supernatural thriller. And um, it's something I, I would definitely consider. I'll definitely have to look into that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it came to me because everybody's got their own channels now and um, Roku, you know, and Peacock also, which is channel four. Yes. Yes. You know, it's like they did this for, four or five part series on our billboard icon here in LA, Angeline. So, um, well, well, you raise an interesting point because, and I was going to touch on this with you is, is the fact that never before have we had in this world, so many outlets for content. Yeah. And yet at the same time, the challenge is how does one make a splash? How does one make it, make a, an impression because you're going to be competing with mm-hmm. a bazillion other things that are, are that are out there and then you know how do you, how, how does one get people's attention uh and so all all you can really do is try to make the most interesting and unique films you can and um and and then try to get the best distribution that you can because there's just my God, there's, there's just so much content out there. And, and you know, you and I, we, we come from the era where the only way you could see a movie, you've got to go to this movie theaters. You have to go to the cinemas. Right. You know? And now it going to the, going to the cinemas is just a small part of it. It, it. It's most people watch movies at home or unfortunately on their phones because you think that people would, would want to see big screens. So it, it just ends up being there's so much content out there. So I've had to really approach things as a businessman as well. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, where where you have to carefully consider what kind of genre you're going to do. What's right. the name of the movie going to be? Is there a market for this kind of movie? Who would want to see a movie like this? These are all things that I also consider before mm-hmm. I made it, before I, I commenced these projects. And, and things are changing very, very quickly, Michelle. There's always some kind of uh, new avenue of distribution, new avenue of streaming. So one has to keep up on these things. And I think the only saving grace with these times, let's say compared to uh, the 70s and 80s or 90s, is that there are more avenues now for things to get dis- distributed. You know, if, if Dreams of Darkness had come out or Crypt of Evil have come out in the 70s, 80s, well, uh, the only way would be to try to get a distributor, get, get your movie in the cinemas. And that was always, even back then, very, very difficult. And it was very hard to make money back then. Yeah. You know, unless one had the backing of a major studio. So in these times, you have to approach what you're going to do very carefully. And so it's always a, a, uh, a difficult amalgamation of being a businessman and also being a creative person. 
And both of those things are not always mutually exclusive to people. I'm very fortunate in the sense that I can do that and I can, I can make creative decisions and yet at the same time being the, be the pragmatic businessman. Mm-hmm. So it's always an industry that's very challenging. It's very challenging. All one can really do is make the most compelling movie you can, make it interesting, and always follow the golden rule, which is thou shalt not bore. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Now- you know, I, that, 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 that's just, you know, tantamount to me because, look, you're a fan of movies. I'm a fan of movies. You don't want to sit down and think, okay, it's been 20 minutes. Nothing's happened. Right. Right. <laughs> so those are just cinematic words to live by for me. Yeah. And, and uh, so, that, so that's my approach, Michelle. Now, let's say somebody wanted to get into this industry. Um, what, what type of advice would you give them? Number one, it's extremely difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, well, well, we should really specify it, uh, what kind of what kind of position would they want in the industry? Do you mean like an actor, actress, or do you mean a screenwriter? Uh, because, let's, yeah, let's say, oh, well, you're a director slash producer, correct? Yes. Let's say they wanted to be a director. Um, how would you suggest they approach that? I would say from all my years of experience that the best thing to do is to make your own movie. Okay. Because, because, because nobody, there's so many directors out there. Mm-hmm. There's so many, there's so much competition. The best thing to do is to make your own movie and have this in, in other words, be in control of your, try to be in control of your own destiny because a person can wander for years trying to get work as a director and good luck. It, it, it's, it's basically um, a luck of the draw, just being in, in the right place at the right time. Right. So I, I, that's one aspect of it. I think the other thing to do as well is try to do something different. Try to make what you do unique and different and and it doesn't get any better than this watch all the great movies yes that in itself is better than any film school why and and what i mean great movies i'm talking about the the greatest movies ever made where it's we can go back in time gone with the wind uh streetcar named desire on the waterfront lawrence of arabia i mean these these legendary colossuses of movies you watch those movies, any any Alfred Hitchcock movie, and he's oh, that, you know, yeah. right there. That's all you need to. That's all you need to watch, and you can learn from all of that. The question that you ask is actually multifaceted because one part of it is skills, mm-hmm. learning the skills of being a director. The other aspect of it is how does one get into the industry? And it, it, in that respect, I would say make your own movie, and then. That way you're, you're in control of your destiny. And also because technology has become more inexpensive, you know, people can get high quality images with inexpensive equipment. So it, it, it iPhones, yeah. Yes, yes. Now, even though I, I choose to shoot all my movies on 35 millimeter film, a beginning director can just use an, an iPhone, uh, even inexpensive still cameras that shoot in video mode, pretty high quality stuff. So 
the cost is not really a huge factor anymore. So, so to answer your question, I would say it's all those things, but that's strictly as a director, you know, the, as far as the, uh, the things I can suggest into getting into directing. Now I know for acting, you know, I have friends who've just said, I don't see why you go, where you go to classes and you go to school because all you do is get up and talk. That's not true. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So well, um, if somebody wanted to get into acting, Unless they have a natural talent and can take on a role, Stella. <laughs> yes, 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 exactly. Dios mio. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I hear what you're saying. My, my. Here's my advice: is because this is this is probably the one area where it's really congested. Yeah. Everyone, everybody wants to be an actor and an actress, and I think that it. From all my years of experience, this is what I can recommend. Mm-hmm. And here's here, here are my observations. The people that end up being excellent actors and actresses, something that can't be taught. It's natural. You either have it or you don't. I also think that because I've watched a lot of acting reels and you see this time and time again, everybody does the same thing. They have to do a requisite cry. They're crying and then they're angry and then they're pointing a gun at somebody it's also it's also cliched my suggestion would be if if someone wants to make it as an actor and actress is to try to market yourself as a persona because personas are more rare don't always necessarily show that you can do comedies and you can do serious things i'd rather I would take a different route i would try to market oneself as a persona those are much more rare like um like Marilyn Monroe is a persona. Exactly. Cary Grant is a persona. Duke Wayne is a persona. Um, you know what I'm saying? Sean Connery. Pardon me? Sean Connery. Yes. These are people that play specific characters. Mm-hmm. And those it, it's very interesting because I've had this conversation with many people because the the conventional wisdom, the conventional route is for actors and actresses to always want to show they can do everything. Because you, you've seen it, Michelle, the, the reels where someone's crying and then they show a scene where they're yelling and then someone shows a scene where they're being sensitive then another one where they're falling apart and holding a gun at somebody. It's, it's, it's boring. Yeah. You know, you know ca- casting agents will look at this. It's the same old, same old. What you want is a casting agent or someone that's looking uh, Mm -hmm. at various actors and actresses to notice someone being a persona. Yeah. And that's very difficult to do. And personas are very rare. Mickey Rourke is a persona. Yes. You know, even your Michael Paré, he's a persona. You're not going to hire Michael Paré to be some nerd. You're not going to hire him to be some comedian. He's a persona. And for me, this is rare. And so I would try to do something like this, which is going to set you apart from everybody else. Yeah, it's like, um, well, I run into Michael Pore all the time. And I re- always remember him as Eddie from Eddie and the Cruisers. Yes, yes. He's always the nice bad boy. Yes, yes. Um, I couldn't see him playing, who was it, Father Ralph? <laughs> yes, Father Ralph the Formers. No, you won't see Michael Pore do that. Yeah, yeah. But, 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 you, but you see it. You've got millions of people to compete against. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and most of them are all doing the same thing. They're all showing all these things. I can, on one, on one level, I can understand why they do that. However, to me, if you really want to stand out, present yourself as a persona. And th- this will definitely catch the eye of casting agents. You know, they're going to say, whoa, this person is, is unique. They're presenting a certain aspect of themselves. Like, for instance, if you got someone with a great craggly face mm-hmm. and you think, wow, they, they would make a great villain. It would behoove that person to market themselves as a villain, well, not trying to show that they're going to be a comedian. And that, you know, you know what I'm saying? When you think of Paul Servino, you think of mafia guy. I think he was in Goodfellas, but you think of this gangster type character. Yes. You don't yes. think of Adam 12. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and this is something that I see with most actors and actresses in, in watching them present themselves and watching their reels. Yeah. They, they do the same old, same old. It, it, it's, you know, you have to do your requisite crying. You have, to do, you have to do your requisite angry scene. It's also bland. You're just going to blend in with everybody else. What are you going to do that's going to be different? That's going to make you stand out. Mm-hmm. And so I, and this comes from years of experience because I know that for instance, for myself in some many things I've been casting in the past, they, they, they hire me for a certain kind of role and a certain persona. And no one's going to hire me to be a great comedian or to be a nerd with with horn rim glasses and and my pants dragged up all the way to my waist, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Plaid pants, striped shirt. No. Exactly. Exactly. So this is what I, I would recommend to actors and actresses. You do something which is going to make yourself stand out. And and conversely for women, if you've got the looks, market mm-hmm. yourself as a Sharon Stone type. Market yourself as a femme fatale. You're going to stand out. If you feel that that um, you've got great comedic skills, market yourself as a comedian. Don't don't be a woman that looks like a comedian that wants to show she can do dramatic acting. It you one enters this territory where casting agents aren't going to know what you are. So this is my advice. This is this is, is the best advice I could give to to an actor and actress. And and Michelle, I have to I have to reiterate this as my last driving point on this question is so much of it is being in the right place at the right time. That's 90% of it. There's, there is an aspect to it where you don't have control of your destiny. It's who you meet at the right place at the right time. There's so many cinematic examples of this. Probably the, 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 one of the biggest ones is Al Pacino. Al Pacino prior to the, the first Godfather movie was a nobody. He was doing mainly just theater in New York and he, was a complete unknown. Francis Coppola saw him in a play, thought he'd be perfect for The Godfather, plucked him from obscurity, fought the studio t- to get Pacino to be the role of Michael Corleone, and basically gave him his big break. Now, that's nothing to do with Al Pacino in the sense that he had no master plan. It was simply because somebody of power and influence saw him and opened the door for him yeah now at that point do you, do you see what i'm saying and this is this has happens this happens so many times in throughout cinema history where life comes to somebody somebody doesn't go and chase life a career comes to somebody somebody isn't chasing a career necessarily so one always has to factor this in when approaching 
the movie industry or wanting to make it as an actor, actress, director, producer, cameraman. There's, there's this element of serendipity and happenstance. In fact, I would say that that's 90% of it. That's 90% of it. And the other 10% of it is a uniqueness that you're going to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I met, um, actually, I can't even say who it is or what this person was in because I don't want to give that away. And I watch movies all the time. Just very blasé person. Yeah. Let him pick her out in a crowd. And um, she did the two movies, prominent part. Nobody's heard from her since because yes. she didn't have that uniqueness. You know, Michelle, cinema history is littered with this. There's with people that it, it, it's very, it's very ephemeral. You can get mm -hmm. somebody that maybe they do two or three movies. But then you never hear from them again. Right. You know, and some people are bland they have a blandness about them somehow they had a stretch where they were in movies for a few years and then the phone stops ringing and they don't get cast anymore and uh it's a very strange business as i'm sure that you know it's very strange and what, what's really interesting is there's even top top stars that never felt like they ever had any security probably one of the biggest case in, cases in point is michael kane michael kane always thought that it could always end tomorrow mm -hmm. he never thought he knew that the business was very fickle it was changeable there's no guarantees and that's why he basically said he took really almost any movie that was offered to him because he always thought it could all end tomorrow yeah so it's very, it's very interesting that someone even at his level could be feel the, the intense lack of security, you know, and it's not a secure business. It, re it really isn't. No, um, I have a friend on a series for 12 years. First year after the series, he worked 50 weeks, second, six weeks, third, two weeks. Didn't work again till he hit his 60s. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. If that if that isn't a, a quintessential example of, of the nature of the business, nothing is, you know, that that's just and, and you can see why, for instance, mm -hmm. soap opera actors and actresses, why so many of them stay on there for years and they don't try to get into movies. It's constant work. They they found their niche. They get a guaranteed paycheck. They don't want to uproot that to try to make it in movies. Now, there's some that have done that, yeah. but on the whole Many of these people just go with the job security because they're they're they've got a recurring role. They they're on there year after year after year. But then you get your people that like this person that you know they they want to be strictly in in movies or television, and you can go years without working. Then becomes a uh, then for whatever reason you get a very busy period and you're working all the time, and then you could go another two years without anything. Look at Susan Lucci. Um, yeah. From All My Children. Yes. I finally met her. She's like tiny. <laughs> yeah. She's like five foot two. I met her once too. Yeah. Very yeah. petite. Yes. She's yes. been on that show. Let's see. It debuted in 1970 up until the time it ended. And that was 40 years easily. Yes. Yes. Anyway, I'm going to start wrapping this up because we've been on almost an hour. Wow, Michelle. So love it. gonna, it's gone. It's gone very, very fast. We're going to have to do section two or you, episode two. You, you've got a deal, baby. You got a deal. Would love to. Would love to. 
So if anybody wanted to reach you, how would they reach you? Anybody can reach me by emailing me at milesjohn at outlook.com. Milesjohn, J-O-N-N, all one word, Mm -hmm. at outlook.com. Great. Well, thank you so much. Michelle, thank you. It It has been a pleasure, my darling. It has. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. Take care of yourself and everybody out there in cinema land. Hope they take care as well. You got it. Talk to you soon. Okay. Take care, Michelle. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.